I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and you're listening to the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast. In this podcast, we speak with DJs, producers, engineers, and industry figureheads about their fantasy forever studio. The studio that our guests describe will be one that they have to live with forever. But in Fantasy Foreverland, we have some rules. Famously, the only thing that separates us from the animals. Yes, those annoying little rules. First, our guests can select a Mac, a PC, or Atari if they're feeling dangerous a DAW and an audio interface. Then they have the annoying obstacle of choosing six other bits of studio gear plus one non-studio related luxury item. But Chris... What? No bundles! Yes. Yes, we have one rule and it's very serious. Choosing a bundle of separate software programs or hardware as a single item is totally forbidden. Today we have the Scottish DJ producer and label owner Kevin McKay. Or Mackay, if you want to keep it real. <laughs> From his recent and relentless crushing of the Beatport Top 10 with his own releases, to a history of discovering and developing incredible artists like Milo and Grum, Kevin Mackay has been involved in cutting-edge club music for over 25 years. Yes, and I'm going to say that no matter when you're listening to this podcast, if you check out Beatport, Kevin will be in the Top 10. Shall we find out what's in his forever studio, Chris? Yes, we've heard a rumour he's a fan of the podcast, so I'm really excited to hear his choices. Welcome, Kevin. Hello. Welcome. Hi guys, how's it going? Very good. Very, very good. Thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure to be here. I took a risk on the chat, so you'll be in the top ten still. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's a that's a given, right? I'm currently not in the top ten, but th- there you go. I, I in the top twenty just now. But um, well, you were in the top ten when I was re- when I was uh, <laughs> when I was writing that. Yeah, no, intro, I've, so. the, I, I've had the track in the top ten for about the last two months, so it's been a very good end of. It was a very good end of year and a good start to 2021. Yeah, crushing it. Okay, so. Um, is that true? Fan of the podcast? You've heard this before? Yeah, I, I, I'm a, a big fan of the podcast. I actually, I love the magazine as a whole. I find, I used to find, well, when I was growing up and get, getting into music production, there was really only sound on sound. And I always felt like I was kind of, you know, I was really into making music, but I was always looking at this magazine like, what? how do these people make music? What is going on here? This is, is so far removed from what my experience of making music is. But with you guys, I found that my, that um I can imagine myself being 23 again and and uh, it's not that removed and so I love all the people all the people you've had on but I've mainly listened to the electronic ones so like um nice you know everyone at BT fascinating to listen to Morgan Page mm. of fascinating mm. to listen to and then people that are a bit more real about it like Claude Von Stroke who are probably a bit more like myself in terms of what they produce and not only are you kind of raving about you're sort of enjoying BT's love of the synclavier and sort of getting really sort of nerdy about the kit, you're also just like when Claude Von Stroke pulls out the drum brute, you're like quality, like low low re- fi low rent, but does the does what it says on the tin. And I just think, you know, when you're young and you're and you're starting out and you don't have the money, you can't go and drop a hundred grand on a synclavier. You just you you need these kind of guiding lights to kind of help you out of that early stages of music production yeah it's, i think it's always nice when when uh, you find out that people are using gear that you can find at your local music shop or you know mm-hmm. under under a few hundred dollars yeah. or a few hundred pounds on on amazon it's it's um it's less alienating yeah uh, absolutely the frustrating thing about that fact of course is that then you discover that it's about talent and uh, <laughs> then you get then you get really sad because that you, is true. <laughs> like me, you look behind you at all your kit and go, maybe it wasn't the kit after all. <laughs> I keep I buying think- kit and I'm still not having any hits. Let's dive in and talk about where in the world 
well, where in the world are you right now? Are you locked down? Are you, are you in Glasgow? I'm in London. So yeah. I've lived in London since 2005. So to, when the Milo record was kicking off, I just, I basically had to move to London because I was on the plane, on the sort of shuttle from Glasgow. It kicked off at six o'clock in the morning and back at 10 o'clock at night. And because I'm Scottish, I can't go to an airport without having a drink. So... <laughs> I could stop. I could not do that in the morning because I had meetings ahead of me. But by the time I got to the evening, and then the last flights of the day are always delayed, so I would be like having three or four pints and doing that three times a week. And I was just like, right, okay, yeah. either I'm gonna sort of save up for a liver transplant sometime in the future, or I'm just gonna <laughs> move to London. <laughs> Let, let's briefly let's talk about that minor record because um, I was gonna put it in the intro actually, but that's one of the few um, records in my life that I've bought by hearing it in a record store, you know, when they just playing it behind the counter and going, what's this? <laughs> um, you know, in that kind of beta band, high fidelity, I don't know if you've seen high fidelity moment yeah, where yeah. it's like, I'm going to sell some copies of this album now. And they, you know, they put on the album and yeah, it's, uh, and it became quite a seminal record. And yeah, how, how, how did that happen? <laughs> um, I mean, it, from the kind of a, from the outset, I would I was running Glasgow Underground at, at the time, so and I would kind of I'd kind of pigeonhole myself as a or pigeonhole the label as a kind of deep house label, and I hadn't set the label up to do anything other than that. And at the time, that kind of sound was dying, and the label's sales were dying, and I was a bit like, oh, I've kind of messed it up here, and so I was looking for something different to do, and I was also I just got a bit bored of when you when you sort of when you're really when you start off into dance music you're really into a sound and so when you start your label you're really into that sound but you don't realize that you know life is going to change and in five years time you might not be and but you've set yourself up with a label with that sound so anyway I was kind of looking for a different challenge and I wanted to do something in pop music but I felt that there was there was there hadn't been a British artist or a, an album that had been released that kind of did everything that I wanted from a dance album. So the kind of big popular dance artists at the time were maybe Fatboy Slim or the Chemical Brothers. And whereas they were fantastic, they felt like sort of stadium versions of dance music, which I didn't quite, which didn't quite sort of ring true with me. I was more into kind of super discount and equally popular albums, you know, Saint Germain Boulevard, an album that probably sold quarter of a million copies, a big, a big record, but it didn't have any hits on it and it hadn't really... It was it was cool and popular, but it hadn't really sort of um, translated into pop culture in the UK anyway. Um, so, and I was looking for something to get involved in something that did that. And then um, a friend of mine was working at BBC and working. Milo was working as a researcher, and she said, "Oh, you should send your music to Kevin. He runs a record label." And I, from the moment he sent his records in music in, I was just like, "This guy's got something." And then. You know, every week he would send in uh, between sort of two and ten tracks. Sometimes he was making ten tracks a week. It was just incredibly creative. Um, I got to know him, started playing football with him, just hanging out. And after a while, I think I had about 70 demos. I was like, I've just got to do something with this guy. And um, so sold a flat that I was living in to pay for a, an advance for him and uh, and signed him to a record label. And uh, yes, it all started there. And accidentally made a stadium rock mainstream album that you didn't accept. <laughs> you no, know, you did though. It was a, it, it was a, it affected mainstream culture and it was very poppy yeah. and 
you know, it was kind of it wasn't a Saint Germain in the end. It wasn't a, one of those kind of no hits. It had hit after hit after hit. Yeah, but I wanted to. I felt you could have hits without having to sort of resort to, you know, the hits could the hits could be a bit more cultured. Yeah. I mean, I was a bit naive really because the hits that we had on it, like that I thought were hits, like in my arms and Doctor Pressure and uh, sorry, Drop the Pressure and those things, they were kind of records that hit somewhere between the ten and the twenty in the charts, which is still obviously a hit. You're in the top yeah. forty. You're feeling like you know you've never done this before. I was like. 30, early 30s I was just like this is amazing but it wasn't like a proper hit like when you get when you start when you when you sort of we moved from a kind of indie setup to a major label setup we did a joint venture with Sony and when we move in there you realize that their version of hits is very different from your kind of music <laughs> fan version of it yeah. you're like hey we're in the charts they're like yeah in at 14 good result move on and I was like no 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 but it's like in at 14 and uh, yeah. They want they want like one or two, like or just one basically, like yeah. And I and until you sort of see the kind of mechanics of it, so until we did that sort of, until Milo did that bootleg, or of or somebody else that did the bootleg and he incorporated it into his single. So until we did Doctor Pressure, where we sort of merged, dropped the pressure with Miami Sound Machine's Doctor Beat and had a number three hit. Then it was like, right, okay, I get it. This is what this is where the major label is is really good, and mm. uh, and and you know, and we and in the end we did end up having a record that was more like those kind of Fat Boy Slim sort of records. And you know, Drop the Pressure has been remixed and re-released almost yearly by in every version of in every genre from trance versions to Moonbaton versions to. I think they've all been bootlegs up until recently. I know yeah. that. Um, we, <laughs> Yeah, when probably. I was still <laughs> when I was still working with Milo, it was he always had this thing where he was like, "I am never ever going to reissue singles. I'll never re-release anything. The original should be the original, and you shouldn't remix." And you know, he always sort of looked down on dance artists that kind of remix their classic hits. And I, I've not worked with him for a, I, I, we've not you know. I'm still connected to the project somehow, royalty-wise and stuff. But I don't. We we haven't. We don't work together anymore. And uh, yeah, and this year they had the Clapton remix at number one on Beatport. So fantastic. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like that. Music sounds better with you aesthetic, where that, I don't think there's been ever ever any official remixes apart from the ones the Benjamin Diamond stuff that came out. There's not been yeah. any official ones of those since then either. But yeah, needed for now. I mean, it's like a, a, people would send me all the time. People would send me versions they'd done and go, oh, can you get this to Milo? And I'd be like, yeah, this is his manager. Here you go. You can have a chat to him about it and see how you got on with it. But people, it was just, it's just one of those records. The minute he, he, he made four tracks in Sky, one weekend and he came down to our office in Glasgow and he'd already been signed at this point and uh, when he played Drop the Pressure I was just like oh yes that's it I mean I just felt like that it felt like someone had played me it was like the first time I heard One More Time or Stardust or one of those records I was just like oh fantastic Uh, we've got one of those records and I'd only ever had that once before with a Romanthony record where I was just like oh yes things are going to change and it's going to be great (laughs) (laughs) am I right in there it, it says motherfucker's going to drop the pressure, right? Yeah, and they, not on and that- the not on, not on the not on the version that you heard on the radio, obviously. So you bas- mm-hmm. the, um, it was the, the mother and the fucker were reversed. But I think I think with modern day kind of like the way that people do um, clean records now, I don't think that would have been allowed. No, because um, I mean, it's still basically even on the radio edit. I, I what I was going to say is I thought it was one of those records where they've accidentally. The record company accidentally 
plays the radio station accidentally plays like the the not clean version not knowing what it's actually saying no we did it we sort of um we had to reverse because yeah i mean i did milo basically made the record once he'd finished the records he was terrible at sort of um fixing things so again that's the reason why the only the main reason why well, there was two reasons why I got involved. But one of the reasons why I got involved so heavily in the record was because he was just like, I'm done with this. So I, I had to do everything. And so I, I did all the radio edits and did all of that stuff. And yeah, we, we started off with just reversing the fucker, but that didn't work. So, but yeah, the mother was reversed, fucker was reversed, and it was reversed every time it was said in the song, and um, which were all different because he'd, he'd done it on a Korg. And uh, he'd done the vocoder on the cord. Oh, on the microcorg. The microcorg, yeah. yeah. Well, there's an insight. Yeah. You want the you want the drop the pressure vocal sound. You've got to get yourself a microcorg straight away on the podcast. We've got the insight. Cheap gear. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, it was um, all the sense on on destroy rock. Pretty much all the sense, apart from the ones that I recreated because Milo had sampled artists that we couldn't clear the masters on. Yeah. But all his sense, all from reason. Oh, right. So it was it was made on Pro Tools on an eight track rig. That was the other reason why I got involved because his mixing was so terrible because he only had eight tracks because he wouldn't shell out for the full version of Pro Tools. Um, no, no, I don't like speaking version. ill yeah. of people, but I think anyone that knows Milo will say he's the classic version of the classic tight Scotsman. <laughs> and you hardly ever the, 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 you don't really meet tight Scots people in reality. Yeah. But my, Milo is one of them. You know, people would genuinely he's one of those guys where people would joke when he got his wallet out. Like, you know, <laughs> when was the last time that sort of light a day that I kind of carry on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, anyway, let's move on to the My Forever Studio. Sorry, I, I went yeah. down a rabbit hole then, but like, uh, no, I, no, as, as one of my you... favourite favourite uh, albums. Uh, oh, yeah, thank it, you. It was great to talk to you about it. Um, so, where are you going to have this studio in the world? You can put it anywhere. My Forever Fantasy Studio. Where's it going to go? Um, I've spent quite a lot of time thinking about this. I um, Because where I would like to put it is somewhere in Scotland. But unfortunately, all my family don't enjoy like the sunshine and so um I, I would struggle with that but it's i'm just going to be selfish and say right okay i'm going to put it where um i kind of i think i make them i'm kind of happiest making music when i've got a view of um scottish water and islands it doesn't have to be scottish i mean there's many it could be anywhere i mean i think new zealand's got equal things but i'd like to be in europe and um there's not many places you know the coast of England. England's a lovely place to live, but the coast doesn't really have any of that. Those views where you've got like water and islands and mountains and all of that. And I think that's just there's something about it that just it's so peaceful. And the scene, the landscape changes like minute by minute in Scotland. You can be like beautiful sunshine. Ten minutes later, it's absolutely heaving down with rain. So I just um, somewhere like that. And I think. Uh, the most beautiful place I've seen is in is West Ross. There's a place called Apple Cross up there on the kind of northwest coast of Scotland, and I've not actually been there yet. It's one on my list of things to do. I've done almost all of Scotland, but that is so blooming far away from most of Scotland. Is it, isn't Westeros in Game of Thrones? That's right. Wester, yeah. Westeros <laughs> with one S is in uh, Game of Thrones. Westeros with uh, two S's at the end is in, uh, is in Scotland. I, but yeah, wow. I think that pretty sure. has a potential to be a very awkward Uber journey, doesn't it, if you get it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're north, of, you're north of the wall anyway. You're, yeah. with, the, you're, you're with the wildlings. It's all, it's all crazy up there, so... Yeah, you know, if you get an Uber driver, I, I yeah. mean, 
North of the wall, even, please. <laughs> I can't even I can't even say what the last Uber driver in Glasgow the story he told me because it'd just be like you have your podcast booted off of Spotify and <laughs> Apple Music for being the most un PC thing you've ever heard on there. <laughs> so Wester Ross with two S's. Wester Ross with two yeah. S's. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's remote and beautiful. I've got a friend that made a record up there and and he just uh, and I, I imagine, you know, somewhere that, that Scottish scenery, fantastic. Lovely stuff. Wow. I'm looking at some pictures of it right now and it is extraordinary. It's it's exactly as you describe. It's a sea, it's islands, it's forest. one thing one thing the studio does have to have though is a geodesic dome so that it's nice and warm. So somehow it's within a geodesic dome. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. We can do that. We can yeah. make that happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so you can still enjoy some kind of yeah temperate climate while also being in a freezing cold place yeah i mean i'd like to have a swimming pool i mean it's my forever studio so i'd like mm. I'm, i'd like to have a few things in there <laughs> but again it depends whether that gets comes as part of the building or whether it's the luxury item but yeah I don't know. we can I'm describe kind of, it as the building if you if right. you get too fragrant with the rules <laughs> we will shut you down you know i'm mm, a bit but, like clawed on that front where i'm just like <laughs> pushing it Okay, those rules. I need to break them straight away. <laughs> we uh, on the on uh, on one of the podcasts, um, we we actually did go back to their forever studio and delete some of their plugins from a bundle that they'd accidentally purchased. So uh-huh. we will do that. So you know, we we have no, we have eyes everywhere. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> I'm totally down with the no bundles. Although you will see how I try to get around it later and see what oh, you think okay. enjoy. My it. fingers on the buzzer. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's whip through the the the, the three free items. Okay, so I've been on a Mac since um since Pro Tools moved since since Max could handle kind of audio, you know, without glitching. Um. Hmm. So yeah, and bef- you know. Um, so Mac and I always have a laptop because I make music anywhere and um, yeah I, I don't actually care about the audio interface so um, I was actually going to let you guys pick because I'd really I'd be really interested to hear what you think if I've got to pick the only one I know is the one that I'm using well I used to use Pro Tools audio interfaces when I had Pro Tools on the Mac I don't use Pro Tools anymore but um, yeah I've got a Focusrite Scarlet just now which is just totally suitable for me um, but yeah what there you go i've got the four by four but yeah same thing totally i think it totally i just don't i just don't get it for everybody listening i just held up that my little scarlet solo uh (laughs) with with the caveat it is still in the box that's how much music i make nowadays uh (laughs) but i do have one a scarlet solo um audio interface we've got a we've got what do you think what we need to do is we need to I think either go for a top-end rack mount UA. You could go for a um, a Prism Sound, like a Titan or a Lyra, or you could do like some of those audience interfaces are really great. Um, yes. RME, absolutely bulletproof. Do um, any of them come with any extra stuff? Well, that's the problem. See, bundle. Yeah. No bundle. <laughs> no, 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 not a bundle. Okay, like <laughs> no, no, definitely not suggesting a bundle. What, what kind of extra stuff do you well, mean? Well, just the. Because UAD come with UAD have there's stuff that comes with yeah it does have stuff. some DSP doesn't it Billy? Uh, yeah you're studiously trying not to say bundle I notice <laughs> definitely not saying bundles okay. hear that come out my mouth. okay so the UAD yeah I think that's that to be fair that's I think that's why most people 
pick the UAD. They are rock solid, really nice interfaces, but having that little bundle <laughs> of plugins. Mm. <laughs> no, but the the combined the combined the default ones that come with the interface for free anyway, they're not actually it's not actually a bundle, is it as such? It's part of the audio interface infrastructure. Um, um, you think that's a bundle, Will? Uh, we've allowed it in the past, so because we've set the precedent, we can't go back now. But are there, aren't there plugins on the UAD? Uh, I, mean, I, have the old, I have the old cards, but they're, they're plugins that you literally can't buy in the UA store because they just come with all of the hardware. Um, Do you know what I mean? So if you can't buy them certain... separately, they can't be bundled. Are the are compressors oh, and the stuff precision. you can get Yeah, on the de- they've got some basic compressors yeah. and, yeah. There's some and basic limiters. Stuff there. It's um, it's all basic stuff, but it, yeah, it runs off the 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 shark chips. Are they still shark chips? In the shark UAD? DSP. Yeah, Always interested indeed. to have more options in this my forever studios with its limited uh, <laughs> number of options. Even though I'm probably I'd be better off not caring about more options because you get you just have to get creative when you don't have any options. And having made music on a Roland D70 and an ASR10 and nothing else, but a Mackie 12 channel desk, I, you know, and an Atari, I can do no options. So I, I don't know why I'm so bothered about having options. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's that quandary, isn't it, when you, you look back at how other records were made, either records that you've made yourself or other famous records and... They had like a drum machine, a keyboard, and a sampler or something. And yeah, I'm sure if you speak to Armin van Helden about some of those amazing dance records, you'd be like, "Yeah, it was a. I've got an MPC60 and a S950 and a a Juno 106. There you go. Yeah, which of course now would be ridiculously expensive, but (laughs) (laughs) that's the irony, isn't it? It was all done with this simple gear, which is available now on eBay for ten thousand (laughs) pounds. Right. Okay. So what we going for? We're going for the top end UAD. Shall we? Well, I I think we're gonna we're gonna have to press you on this later, but uh, let's do the DAW. Let's do the okay. DAW now. So the, yeah, yeah, the DAWs um, is Ableton. The fir- my first the first thing that I ha- would definitely have is Ableton. So, talk to us about. Did you go from Pro Tools to Ableton, or did you go Pro Tools Logic Ableton, or? Yeah, I went from a Cubase on the Atari. Um, not enjo- I, I worked with a few people that had Cubase when it went up to. Uh, to involve audio and just audio glitching used to drive me nuts so and it w- was only till I till Pro Tools and probably Pro Tools 3 um, came out and they had that on a Mac that I, that I moved up to Pro Tools and then uh, one of the guys I was working with at Glasgow Underground Milton Jackson he he moved into this sort of office studio space for a bit and then he showed me how good it was on audio because I was just not sold on this it was like it's a bit mm. like how I feel about Bluetooth now I was like don't buy anything Bluetooth I it's gonna be rubbish it's gonna be rubbish and uh, it was the same with audio like audio on a computer i was just like it's not gonna work it's not gonna work there's no point in even trying it's like we're years away from it working and then he eventually <laughs> was like yep there you go it's working now great okay i can do that um so yeah i went to pro tools and then the minute ableton involved what in, had warping um as a dance producer, you're always working with loops and always sampling, I think. So I would, you know, I'd tried various things. There was acid that did good sampling and good kind of like you could chop up individual things. And but you then had, you know, I'd go into, I would bring loop, I would bring disco records into SoundForge and then cut them up into individual loops and then bring all the loops into acid and then try and make my kind of loops like that. It was incredibly convoluted and time consuming. And then Ableton appeared with warp- warping and I was like, oh, well, that's just amazing. Thanks very much. It's like, that's if you want to, you know, if you want to be a millionaire, then solve a problem for a million people. Well, 
uh, there probably wasn't a million dance music producers at the time, but Ableton certainly solved that problem. Yeah, it's probably about 20 million now. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've just, ever since then, they've just always made it, you know, they haven't improved some things that I would have liked to improve, you know, the sort of effects and, this, and the onboard sounds, but it's still better than going back to, you know, and I've tried Logic and I just never really, you know, when you're so used to that workflow and also how great it is with effects and, you know, effects automa- automation and just all of that stuff that is crucial in dance music, you know, there's not there's nothing to compete with it in my mind just now. That's fair. So are you going to go 11 or are you going to go, are you going to stick with 10? I haven't tried 11 yet. I've paid for it and I think it's, it's not, I mean, it probably will be by the time this podcast goes so out. I, yeah. I normally just upgrade as long as my Mac, as long as it doesn't involve some Mac upgrade weirdness, oh, then I kind of yeah. just. But in the you know. My Forever Studio, that won't be a problem because you'll have some superpower Mac. I'm just going to have the Mac mac pro hopefully with um by the time this podcast is out the uh it'll have the 16 inch m1 because you can't buy them just now but there, there probably is 16 inch m1s kicking around somewhere in, yeah in uh, palo alto my forever studio gets access to all of this <laughs> stuff it's fine yeah we're gonna we're gonna break into palo alto into infinite <laughs> loop and we're gonna get you a 16 inch m1 pre-release done thank you very much Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast is supported by Evo by Audience, the fantastic Evo Start recording bundle and the Evo 4 and Evo 8 interfaces. Yes, if you're a beginner, you can enter the world of audio recording with the Evo Start recording bundle, a professional, powerful and versatile solution for home recording from studio-grade audio brand Audient. This comprises the Evo 4 audio interface, the remarkably robust SR1 large diaphragm condenser mic with shock mount and a set of the Audient Evo SR2000 monitoring headphones. That's right, featuring loopback and smart gain, the new Evo bundle and compact interfaces make sure you can achieve studio quality recordings from the start. Smart gain means you don't have to worry about setting input levels, making it ideal for music makers who want to spend time creating, not engineering. And loopback lets you record everything you hear through the interface, making it a great fit for home recording rigs, podcasters, streamers, and content creators. Evo Start Recording Bundle is suggested to retail at £199, €220, and $249 in the USA. Discover Evo online at evo.audio. Studio item number one, then. Yes. Right, I need some speakers, don't I? Because I, I, I was told I thought you should give the speakers away as part of the, you know, mm. in, speakers over interface. I would have let people. I would have definitely had speakers and then choose an interface if you want. Because if I had to choose an interface, I'd be like, no, it's fine. I'll just work off the Mac. <laughs> I'd rather really, sa- That's yeah, rather than sacrifice an item, yeah. But because I've got an interface as part of the thing, I'm taking the UAD. But yeah, no, my first item speakers. So I'm going to, I. Uh, I actually work on these earbuds that I'm listening to you guys just now on. So, and they are 30 quid earbuds from Amazon. So Sound Magic E30s. And that's what I do all my music on. I don't have, um, I've got, I don't have any speakers. You know, I live in London. I've got a small, I've got a 15 month old baby. So making noise, not happening. So everything's on earbuds. But um, when I did have a studio, I have Dynaudio BM15As, which I really love listening to. And so I had a quick look this morning and they've got these Core 59s, which look pretty nice. I love the sound of Dynaudio. And so I'll probably go with them unless uh, there's any better options. Will, Ooh. are we upselling dreams here? Or that, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like Kevin's pretty it prepared like on this one. You're pretty set on that one. The the core fifty nines, yeah, right, okay. What do they That's What a... do they clock in out? What's the budget on those? Only two oh. grand each. 
Actually, that's oh, it's, oh, that's okay. It's not like yeah. stupid money for speakers. No. And I've tried, I've tried, I've been in studios and tried lots of the other kind of famous dance brands, and you know, from working with people that have KRKs to working up with people that have got Adams and stuff. And I just never think these, you know, sound that great. I'm so used to the sound of Dynaudio that that just I like that sound. And I think with the thing with speakers is once you're used to them, that's it. I. I you know, people always like, oh, I need to change my speakers and I've got to upgrade this and upgrade that. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, no one else is going to be listening to them on your setup. Yeah. You've got to be happy and, and it takes you years, ages to get used to a new setup. So no no, no mega, what, there's no mega soffit mounted Dyn Audios or something? I do like it when Will says soffit mounted. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get him to say it. Who was who had that? It was um, BT had that, didn't he? Yeah. Someone had someone had that. Um, no, I had. I was really interested to hear all the and the one thing I thought was about was the most interesting thought about that thing. I thought about the um, the podcast choices is how varied the speakers were. So it was mm. like you know different people had different things. Obviously, there was a sort of preference for Adams amongst the electronic producers, but there was loads of other ones. And I think that's the, the thing. Of once you once you get to a certain level, you know, it's kind of personal choice after that. Yeah, mm. it's not like once you get once you get over sort of £1,500 per speaker or... I mean, there's no real bad speakers. It's just preference at that yeah. point. It's like they're all... Mm. Very, and, they're, and they're... You know, I've done some some big speaker roundups and tests in the past and uh it's surprising uh the subtleties between even actually even once when you get above 500 it starts getting quite subtle at certain points um the main thing that changes is just literally the, the only real thing that where you can hear it stand out is the size of the cabinet yeah like obviously if you're if you're comparing a small speaker to a big speaker you can tell but once they're all eight inch like full range kind of minimum it's very subtle, the differences. Yeah, that was the only thing. I was looking at those Core 59s and thinking, I've got these um, BM15As and, I, you know, they've got a nice big bottom speaker on there and you get that nice, you know, when you're making dance music, you kind of need that kind of mm. weight to it to so that you can, you know, I was thinking, should I go for a D&B sound system rather than go just like totally throw out the, um, <laughs> totally throw out the studio idea and just go, yeah, I'm going to have a D&B Audio Technica, the kind of thing you'd get like a 2k rig i'll just have that because i'll work on headphones <laughs> and then if i want to hear how my record sounds i'm going to do a mix test or something i'll be like fire up the dnb sound system and just like smash it out like it's in a club and feel like i'm That's on a, a good I'm on idea dance floor. Yeah. so yeah well there is something to be said to that actually i think a lot of dance music producers um especially when they start out they sort of favor uh the kind of cheaper cheap big monitors or cheaper yeah. Um, big monitors because they have that club sound thwack. I mean the Mackie, the Mackie HR. Come on, will help me. Actually, they HR eight. Is it the the old um, HR eight? Yeah. The uh, and then I think Behringer did one of their famous uh, versions, <laughs> shall we say, of of them <laughs> as well. And uh, they were popular too because, but they had that kind of PA sort of thwack. Wasn't it the uh, the eight two four? Was it that one? The HR eight two four? Yeah, HR eight two four. Yeah. HR824, and then there was the 624, which I had for a while, which were weird and terrible in the bottom end. But the 824s were great. Like, uh, you can still pick them up secondhand, and if you're looking for a, a good value for dance music, they kind of sound like a, a club PA speaker. So they were kind of a, a decent choice. Yeah, um, for good, cheap volume for dance producers. I've got a Samson Resolve 
RX A6 yeah. behind me, which I got on eBay for 60 quid for the pair. And they are, they absolutely do the job. And when, if I need to listen to something, just if I've, if I've just got my ears got a bit tired or I want to have another reference, then I've got them behind me. Yeah. And I, um, I actually bought them for a friend's 40th party in Cannes. <laughs> she, she was like, how do we get a sound system to this, to this place? And I was like, I'll be able to get your set of speakers that have got some decent volume for like, there was 30 people there and we had a swimming pool. So we wanted to set them up um, next to the pool. And I was like, these will do 60 quid, st- stick them in a suitcase, bring them to Cannes. There we go. Party sorted. Yeah. I've done I've done stuff like that. How much DJ gear can you get in a suitcase and get a full party? <laughs> I think there's probably there's probably a market to actually uh maybe not now. Not now with Brexit, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but there probably was a market to have like, you know, a, a whole PA system and some decks that fit in like a a hold luggage bag securely. That would be quite cool. Get, I mean, the, the new Pioneer, the, the XDJRRR, which I've got, that's what I take when I need to go for, when I need to go places and sort of just have a little bit of a fun house party, then that would, that, that set up would totally do. Yeah, it comes, it's like a shoulder carry bag, isn't it? Yeah, I reviewed yeah, it actually. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I've obviously, they overcharge you massively for the carry bag. Thanks, Pioneer. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, don't I don't blame don't blame blame Pioneer. I think blame Apple for all that stuff. Everybody looks at Apple and goes, 70 quid for an adapter? Can, can we do that? I think we can do that. I think we can do that." Yeah, yeah. That's why my uh, adapters definitely not come from Apple. I'm not paying that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I like it when companies do that though. They kind of look at the consumer and go, "What can we get away with here? How can we? 400 pound wheels? Can yeah." We do that? <laughs> My favorite, my favorite one is that um, that comedy sketch um, with Mitchell and Webb when they're in the toothbrush meeting, yeah. and he and he looks at him. He goes, "I think we can get them to brush their tongues." <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And, and like, and that actually happened, didn't it? Like, like, do you remember that when the advert started? Yeah. It's like, yes, you're cleaning your teeth, but what about your tongue, you scumbag? I bet your tongue is filthy, isn't it? And you're watching telly, go, my tongue must be filthy. I've never brushed my tongue. Maybe I should brush my tongue. Item number two. Item number two. So I, I need a keyboard. Um, I'm not very. I, I'm not a player at all. But um, I need a keyboard. So, and actually, I, 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 everything I do involves a, um, software, collected items of software within one purchased <laughs> VST. Uh, <laughs> but but I'm obviously on. not going to choose. Items such as that, so I've got a kind of complete controller just now. But I, I was like, I can't just, I can't have one of the six BM MIDI controller. That's absolutely ridiculous. I did see someone do. Who did that? Tensnik. Did Tensnik do that, or someone? Did, yeah, someone most, did that. Actually, most people, most people do. I just, I was just thinking of another one we recorded, and there was no MIDI controller. And uh, that person that we interviewed is actually a phenomenal keyboard player. And maybe we forgot to point that out. And they're going to be gutted when we mm. deliver all their items, and they have to play it on a QWERTY keyboard. <laughs> So yeah, I just thought right, I'm gonna to have to get um, sort this out. So um, my fa- favorite sort of suppliers of collected items within one VST are Arturia <laughs> and Korg. So I had to look to see what they was got, and actually the Arturia Polybrute it looks really nice. And um, if I ever move out of London and have enough space to have an actual studio again, then I think I'd probably get one of them. They look really nice. So and it's you know it it gives me. All the things that I would normally have within the forbidden fruit of uh, the uh, Arturia collection, um, 
it gives me a bit of that. that. So, yeah. Okay, and you've obviously it's your MIDI controller as well. It's yeah. a way over-specced MIDI controller, but not the most over-specced MIDI controller we've had to date. I think, didn't we have like a grand piano with a, a MIDI grand piano as a MIDI yeah, controller? Yeah, it was a y- Yamaha Disclavier as your <laughs> <laughs> MIDI yeah. controller, which was utterly stupid, but brilliant. And Mason had a retrofitted uh, right. Fender yeah, Rhodes. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, really yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was cool. I'm just, I, there's absolutely no point in me having that because if I get, if I need keys on a track, then I'm off to Fiverr and looking for a keyboard player. If I, you know, I can program and stuff, but the idea of me actually playing a solo on it, I've played with two, I've recorded too many good musicians for me to ever do that without taking 10 years off to actually learn how to play the piano properly. But that's a really good point. So you're using Fiverr for actually building tracks at the moment. Is that how you you do it? Well, I mean, I've got a vocal producer, but yeah, if I need, um, if I need bass or if I need, um, if I need keyboards, so, you know, somebody who's, you know, who's studied at Berkeley, who's like into jazz can play, like, can send me like, you know, I can, I can see, right, I'm doing a cover. I want to, I want a keyboard solo in this style. Then yeah, you can go to, and get it from, get it from Fiverr, no problem. So, you know. And talk, talk to me about how that works in terms of you, you like contract them for a buyout fee, agree a fee and done. So it's on Fiverr's terms of service. So it's really, I think, I think at some point they're going to have to update it because um, I think obviously it's the, the these American companies that do all yeah. the kind of work for hire sort of like gig economy and stuff. They're not really compatible with our kind of, well, we're no longer in the EU, but a lot of our rules will still be EU rules. So our kind of left of center as the Americans would probably call, probably call it wishy-washy liberal rules about sort of treating people fairly and stuff. Socialism. <laughs> so um, I know, I know. <laughs> Make music great again. Um, Let's get those hats made. We should have that. Let's get those hats made for the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure it exists. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so get. You know, when I first got into it, I was like, so what about, you know, performance royalties and stuff? Like that? They were like, nope, it's all yours. Everything is yours. And I, I feel so I, I feel quite uncomfortable about this. But there's from the kind of American side, they're just like no royalties need to be paid, no nothing. And I'm like, right, OK, well, I'm still going to register the performer. So I need to know the performer's name so that I can register it. So because like you can't take someone's performance royalties away for it. I mean, they've set it up. Well, maybe you can in the US, but in the in the UK and EU, at least that's one thing that record labels can mm. take away from you. Yeah. You still get your PPL money, even if even if you've kind of re- agreed to perform on something with no royalties, straight buyout, all that stuff. So, but it's within Fiverr's terms of service. So, if you're a sort of budding producer, you don't even need to have like a a, a sort of yeah. um, mm. buyout contract or a kind of. Um, a session musician wow. contract or the things you would have had, to had back in the day are we not going to hit a point where there's going to be a, a problem legally with that like you like you described well, if someone has a hit on yeah. it and then the, then they could say well if i haven't checked the fiverr's terms of service so i don't really want to say anything but if if they if it's a complete buyout of all rights then i don't yeah, know right. if that's possible because i don't i don't think you can legally within the eu transfer your performance rights to to it as a kind of entity you can allow someone to manage them but as far as i'm aware you it's not like you can transfer this again i'm not a legal guy and this is a thing but i remember there was some change to it when was it pete waterman or something registered himself as a lynn 
and registered his drum machine to the PP out <laughs> and was getting like 40 grand a year in performance royalties from being a drum machine. <laughs> that This rings a bell. I think that's true. Although there was somebody, maybe it wasn't Pete Waterman, uh, you know, no libelous. I can't remember who it was, but... I heard a story about Simon Cowell and a triangle, which I can't repeat, obviously, without it, you know, again, opening myself up to. Well, no, but I mean, there's a lot of... Um, uh, there's a lot of producers who uh, and engineers as well who um, will try will get performance. I mean, I think there was a lot of that in hip hop culture. The whole, you know, Puff Daddy, y'all, Puff Daddy, like so you could get performance rights on the record by saying a few words yeah. at the beginning of who's producing it. it. Means you get that performance royalty as well as being a performer on the record, especially when doing remixes and stuff. But I think what you were saying about transferring the rights, I think that's when that might have been when people started. When people started saying they were the drummer on a record, but it was a drum machine, they had to they changed the rules because that was kind of a a workaround for a while, which makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, if you programmed the drum mm. machine, then you're still entitled to the you know you're still entitled. But to I the... guess if he was registering himself as a separate person as the drum machine, oh, a, se- a separate yeah, account so you I mean. could double yeah. claim. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, you just get your one share. You get your share of your non-featured yeah. performer. Of, you know, the artist takes. I think in the UK the artist takes sixty percent, and then um, featured performers get something else, or there's basically the rest of them split the my, the mm-hmm. remaining forty percent. So it depends how many performers you are, because it all starts to you know. fascinating. Well, just a caveat: not none of that stuff that we were saying was was fact. It's all uh, things that we can remember. But uh, check it out. Give you, give it a Google yourself if you're listening. And uh, but there are some funny stories about people working around performance rights and uh, and royalties in general. It's uh, it's a useful business for musicians, but it's always been a bit of a shady one for the industry as well because there's been lots of workarounds over the years where people can get themselves paid in various ways. I mean, people were, it's, it's, it was rife with it. People would just register claims on tracks. I would have people, um, I mean, I, there's there's DJs that have called themselves the same names as DJs from the past, and then they've then gone and claimed all of the PPL from their previous recordings. Um, yeah, it's just... You get other record labels as well. I've had record labels, famous record labels, who I'm not going to name here, but who would be involved in a track for a short period of time and then go and claim not only that cat, not that only that track, but the, you know anything else that was released. So they would just claim, you know, rights yeah. just because they could, because somebody, because somebody's gonna, there was no check process. So that you know now there is now it's. Well, the, the new version of that, I guess, is the YouTube finger, the copyright claim on YouTube. People are doing that yep. a lot as well. That's happened to that's happened to us, where people I, I've said to you know publishers, listen, I know you're the publisher on this, but I've got someone else claiming to be the publisher. They're based in Brazil, and I've never heard of them, and they've got a name that kind of sounds like you know, like one of the names of a big publisher, yeah. like you know, you know. It involves Universal mm. somewhere in the title, but it's not actual Universal. Yeah, getting paid somewhere. It's mad. Okay, so where are we at, Will? Item number number four? three. Number three. Item number three. Um, I think I'm going to have to go for another keyboard, and I was going to have to. Um, I'm going to have to go for another modern keyboard because again, I can't have the the collection <laughs> of things that I want. So I'm. And it's, it's annoying this. I looked this one. I had a, a good look at this, and uh, and I'm disappointed in Korg because they they make some amazing uh, collections. Um, but I'm gonna go for their Kronos. 
but it's not as you know the Kronos has got some great engines in it it's got the engine that they use on the M1 it's got the engine they use on the Poly 6 so it, you know this is the mm-hmm. one where I thought this is tricky because <laughs> what's Will going to say about this <laughs> it, one it's technically because... allowed you've skirted the rules there ably <laughs> Um, I d- I'm not happy about it. It's got nine engines in it. How many? It's got a bundle of nine <laughs> engines. <laughs> he said it. Well, right. He's taunting us from the yeah, sidelines. He's taunting us. Oh with they even God. said the word out loud. <laughs> Unbelievable. Out loud. <laughs> Unbelievable. The cheek. That is a good choice, though, Will. I think it's that's, great. that's it's a good choice. Yeah. Rules. I mean, it's really good. Smart. Smart move. Hats off. I mean, you haven't got the moral victory, but you you got round the ru- you've got round the rules, which is <laughs> cool. You. But you have got a synth that is not that cool really. it's got wooden end cheeks no it's not that cool that is the thing um so i'm still that one's undecided so i might because that the other option to have that was to go back in time to my favorite synth when i was making the milo records and all that which helped out on huge number of things so um i just a jupiter 8 because i don't have I, I, it so i'm either kind of gonna go with the kind of the stuff that i know how to use so i use the korg collection all the time and uh the chronos doesn't have the monopoly because i think their version of the monopoly is one of the best vsts and so i might actually get a single vst mm. as part of my list i'm still the list isn't i'm still got to i'm, I'm still sort of uh i've still not thought it i still haven't worked it out and i guess it's t- it's one of those things until you talk to people about your ideas <laughs> the, you're not quite sure about how you feel okay, about so them. we'll park the chronos yeah with a Jupiter 8 parked behind it. Jupiter 8's in there, yeah. So Kronos slash Jupiter 8. One's cool, obviously, but less versatile. The other one is deeply uncool. And I should I should probably have like some kind of straight leg trousers <laughs> and a goatee beard and be touring the world playing keyboards for like maybe Bjorn again or something. That's probably what I should be doing. <laughs> it's like, it, that's what those keyboards are for though, isn't it? These kind of, yeah. they're insanely, they're not cool, but they are they are amazing and actually they have all mm. the cool stuff in there i mean you know the yeah. top the flagship rolands the flagship yamahas the flagship korgs that's their and, and actually that's their be- bread and butter isn't it those mm. touring musicians that need nine yeah. engines on tour because they don't want to take nine keyboards and the one thing i don't have is a piano and i did when i did, was looking at the chronos i was like god the mm. piano and this is really nice it's like it's got the same because my favorite piano plugin is the arturia piano just the different way you can move the mics around and everything you get a really it's such a versatile vst but i wasn't sure i could give up one of my six just for a piano vst so i was like i need to and uh, the Kronos does look like it's got some really nice pianos, so it might still win, might still stay in there. We'll see. So are you going to go with the 88 key if you do it? So you've got a proper piano action? No, the 88 key, I think, is is that the one where they change it? So you can only get synth action on the um, 66 and 73. So the 88, you have to have the hammer action, and I'm, I'm terrible. Okay. I need synth action because I'm no good with the oh, hammer action. Interesting. No hammer time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no hammer time, unfortunately. <laughs> Item number four, right? Item number four, right. So because Nathan C got it, and I think, I'm not sure I'm going to go with his choice, but I need some kind of rompler. Um, so it's either going to be Nexus, but it depends what you're giving me with the Nexus. Is it just core bundle? Co- oh, sorry, I almost said the word within a sort of genuine question. Nah, we, 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 can, go, we can go top flight on Nexus, right? 20,000 presets, what do you reckon? We've allowed that. We've, yeah, we've allowed that in the we've past. We've allowed it so in you the can, past, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because my other choice for that is the lethal audio one. And I, I'm, 
I'm still unsure as to what I've got both and I use them both. And I just, um, but I, until I, until my record started to, you know, really sort of take off in the last sort of year or two, I hadn't, I'd been using the lethal one cause it's incredible value. It's like $200. Um, and, uh, I couldn't afford the Lexus, the Nexus one, although I'd used it in a couple of different studios, but then I've just recently got it because um, they did an amazing Christmas sale. So I got like the full whack for nowhere near as much as they're charging now. So that was Because the full one is what, four grand? Yeah, uh, two and a half they were doing it at Christmas. So it was That's really two so and a half thousand two euros. Grand. That's good. That's so, good. Yeah. Oof, yeah. We'll, we'll allow the four grand whack though for yeah. Nexus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah why not? But I might still choose the Lethal Audio because it is really nice. But, um, okay, we'll get when we get to the recap. You're going to have one to of those have, a romper. This is going to be like being in a restaurant where you're looking at the menu. You've got a few options, and then you just panic order when the waitress comes over. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, you need. I mean, I think dance music. You you need romplers for bass because like. Um, I've worked with so many people, and they try and use sort of analog modeling for bass, and it just you just. It's too. There's too much variation. They're too good at the analog modeling now. So it's like, you know, before when you would use an analog synth for a bass, it's not like you're going to record. It's not like you're going to sit there and record like six minutes of Jupiter Eight bass. You're just going to record like the loop, and then you're going to put it in, yeah. and you're going to use it as a loop. Whereas now, because it's because it's MIDI and going into a VST, people are recording like, you know, people are effectively letting that VST run their bass for six minutes, which I, I don't think is great. Hmm. Some of the technical reasons for that, I think, is because of the is the the envelope triggering slightly changes, like so where. On the, so on the especially on old Moog synths, it would it wouldn't trigger from the start of the wave every time, right? You can set it to on some of them. You can set it to re-trigger each yeah. time, but there is still slight discrepancy each time. Is that what you're? So you can set that, which changes right. it. But I remember was it, it the the genius producer that is uh, James from the Freemasons, um, who was mentioned on the Gary Barlow podcast, who helped Gary with that album. He would always even with VSTs, he would like you said he would sample like four or five notes. And you know, and then then resample yeah. those notes in the sampler because then you just get that solid, consistent sound every yeah, single time, you and do. you don't have that kind of drift. You don't, like you say, you don't have all the the nice mm. emulation yeah. that you want. Actually, doesn't work. I'm for too me. lazy to do that though. So just give me a romper. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Yeah, uh, James releases a VST. Well, I plug in. I haven't said the B word, so yeah. If James releases a VST that that has done that with some analog since then. I'll definitely buy it. His his um his uh, piano collection, the F nine. Yeah, because he's the same guy that yeah. said in F nine studios. Yeah, is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So his F nine, his F nine piano collection is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, so. yeah. The F nine stuff is great. Um, okay, so park those two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nexus and Lethal Audio, and what's next? Item number five. So the item number five, I'm actually going to have Logic as my item because of the um the on onboard sounds just oh wow so you've got ableton as your door and you're gonna have logic as an item okay we need we need a sound effect for that surely the the reverb in ableton is just not great although maybe you're going to tell me ableton 11 have finally fixed the fact that their reverb is only really good to for to set at 16 seconds and do big special effects with. They've actually got a new reverb algorithm in it. Oh, have they? Yeah, they've got a convolution ah. and oh, I think well. it's a hybrid reverb. But anyway, yeah, you can have logic all the yeah. same. Just at the at the time of recording, guys, this uh, we, we're just on the about to get a, 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 the new version of Ableton officially released. But you can see some preview videos on the uh, Music Tech YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, there is there is some reverb stuff in there. 
I'd be, I, I, I can't wait for that. I mean, it's the one thing I've, I've used, a, I, I generally use plugins for, for Reverb. But, um, I mean, you, you do know, get a lot of other stuff in Logic. Well, you get the Apple loops, you get like, you know, all the Camel, uh, Camel Crusher type effects that they've got. And uh... the Fender Rhodes plugin that used to be the kind of, it was originally like an eMagic EP78, I think it was. So it's, it, I think it's still that. It still sounds like that to me. Um, so that's really nice. That's what we used on Milo's In My Arms. That's what we did with the, that's how we remade the Kim Carnes, Betty Davis size keys. Oh, the, oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, that was with a yeah profit, uh, profit. F- uh, it's actually a profit five through an Echoplex. I met um, a friend of mine who manages uh, used to manage Professor Green, or he might still be managing him. Anyway, he met the guy that was the producer and found out what it was. But we did it with a combination of a Jupiter Eight and a and the uh, EP seventy eight plugin from eMagic at the time. Nice. Hmm. So Logic, you still sticking with it? Yeah, definitely. Um. It's, uh, the uh, the reverb one, it's fantastic. Mm. You know, the... which one are you using? The uh, Space Designer or the algorithmic one? Space Designer, mm. yeah. I think it's one of the nicest sounding reverbs that like, you can get. Even like, you know, apart from going into hardware and stuff, it's like, and I, I'm just not a fan of of having hardware anymore. So I, you know, every, from in the box reverbs, I think it's one of the nicest ones. Certainly from dance music, I don't know, but. If if you're sort of record, doing other types of recording or rock or you know other types of things, you might mm. make different choices. But for dance music, it's cracking. Okay, final item, item number six. Final item is going to be the Korg Monopoly VST because I use it on pretty much every track, and they've update. I would if you'd asked me this a month ago, I wouldn't have happened. But they've updated it recently, and the new interface is amazing. And I just think the sounds are just wonderful, and I know it so well, I can just. I can get loads of different sounds from it. And again, you wouldn't go for an actual monopoly. I don't know. I don't know. I like working in. I like working in the box so much. Like, um, I like just opening. I, I really love how simple things are. You like open up Ableton, open up a VST. But then you're just... going to have the complexity of your Jupiter Eight slash called Chronos anyway. I know, but I don't need too much of any of them. <laughs> I don't think. You don't want, yeah. I suppose the Kronos is the MIDI controller keyboard as well, so it's kind of it's a yeah. it's a potential yeah. And I guess Ju- the Jupiter Eight is a serious bit of kit. We'll get back to those. We'll just see what you decide in a bit. So okay, the Monopoly. Yeah, I think the Jupiter. I think I've got to have the yeah the Jupiter Eight is probably going to be the. It's probably going to um, no piano. Then that's the only thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I have to mm. drop the Polybrut for a Jupiter Eight. Wow, first. I know. I know. It's just. I don't know, no, the, the Polybrute might just give me everything I need for, like, that, you know, because there's dance, DJs who are dance producers just love a bit of knob twiddling, and the the Jupiter 8 just gives you that, they're sort of getting, just sitting there with an envelope and sort of, you know, changing the, the, the release and all of that stuff when you're sort of making a sort of slightly techie record, it's, you need, you need that. I mean, dance pianos are sort of been back in again for the last couple of years, but maybe they won't be, maybe you don't need any piano, maybe that's on the way out. Who, who knows what the next trend is? I mean, I do have got lo- there's loads in the Nexus. So, you know, the Nexus ones are good. They're just not as, well, you know. I think what we need to do before we can do the rundown is we need to, you to decide. Um, you've got eight items here, not six. Give us the, the eight fast ones and then you can make the choice. Okay. So Dyn Audio Core 59s are in. You've got the Arturia Poly Brute, the Korg Kronos 73, a Jupiter 8. Then you've got to pick between the... FreeFX Nexus, Lethal Audio's Lethal, 
uh, th- those are the ones where you've got to pick. You've got to pick the Nexus or the Lethal, and then you've got to pick between your Polybrute, Kronos, and Jupiter. You're allowed two. Yeah. What's it going to be? <clears throat> I'm going to go for the Polybrute and the Kronos, and I'm going to have the Nexus. Okay. Please. Done. There we go. I'm going to go mod. I'm going to go mod on. I just think, yeah, that this idea that, you know, they've made, the Jupiter is an amazing synthesizer, but the stuff they're doing now is to sort of go back to something that was made. 40 years ago just seems a bit silly <laughs> okay well set the scene we are in applecross in westeros within a geodesic dome overlooking the sea a forest and some islands your computer is a macbook pro 16 inch m1 stolen from palo alto your interface remains to be chosen you have to choose it right now you've got five seconds oh the uad one that you suggested all right fine uh your DAW, your main DAW is Ableton Live 11 Suite. You have chosen a second DAW, controversially Logic Pro X. Your speakers are a pair of Dynaudio Core 59s. You've chosen two hardware synthesizers. You've got your Arturia Polybrutes. You've got the Core Kronos 73. And then you've got two plug-in instruments two virtual instruments you have the reFX Nexus rompler and finally you have the Korg monopoly v2 plug-in how does that sound I, I can make loads with that I think I'm really I'm just I'm more excited to go to Scotland and spend some time <laughs> just making tunes in the dome in the dome <laughs> nice <laughs> dome studios that's what we're calling it lovely yeah okay so now we are on to the luxury item and luckily as a fan of the podcast i don't have to hopefully won't have to upsell dreams or explain to you what this is so luxury item what's it going to be i'm having a helicopter (laughs) 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 well great choice just remember just remember to park it outside the dome otherwise If we deliver it and then we do the dome afterwards, that's not going to be any fun, is it? It's not just good, just not going good. up, just going up eight feet inside the dome and then back down again. <laughs> no, because I, I love Scotland and Scotland in the summer when the weather, sun is shining is just the best place in the world. But I mean, you can't live there all the time. So I've got my laptop. I can pick up the latest. I could probably take all my sins. In fact, I can carry that stuff, and I, I just and and put it in a helicopter into the helicopter with the family and uh you know off to ibiza for the summer or palma or mallorca or somewhere somewhere else any particular type of helicopter i was i was suggesting a chinook then because you know you could take you could just you could lift the whole dome with a chinook i think i think you know that's the if, what if that's the ones that the rf ref use up at lossy mouth then it's going to be weather yeah. sort of ready for the the north of scotland so sounds good to me i'd say you know you're asking me like have i ever flown a helicopter I've, i would have to take lessons immediately that this the helicopter was delivered but since it's a luxury <laughs> item and there's i haven't really gone nuts on the studio budget not not as uh, not as mad as other people have so um i think i think a helicopter's fine that's good yeah well we can throw in a helicopter pilot surely just for safety reasons. Safety reasons, I think, otherwise. Oh, even better. I wouldn't want to just drop for... off a helicopter with somebody, walk <laughs> away and say, have fun. It's, it seems a bit irresponsible. Seems good. 
how about a helicopter pilot that was also in Game of Thrones? And then we can have the whole Westeros thing going on. Be... That would confuse the fans on the internet, wouldn't it? If uh, Jon Snow landed in a helicopter. I'm going to take you guys to the real, real Westeros. We're really north of the wall because we Nicola has actually built Good. a wall by this point. She's actually yeah. she's resurrected Antonine's wall. Yeah. And now, uh, now you actually have to get, you know, you have to stop at the border and show your passport to get into Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like the way that when you said the helicopter, though, and you said, oh, I really love Scotland. I was yeah. like, oh, that's cool. He wants to travel around Scotland in his helicopter. And it was actually, I really love Scotland, but in the summer, I'm fucking off. <laughs> I'm going. I'm getting getting oh, out in the of that. No, in the winter, I'm going. Oh, in the, in the winter. Sorry, in yeah, the summer. Yeah, so in the summer, yeah. So like, probably arriving in Scotland round about the Easter holidays, and then probably heading off last day of September, and then uh, yeah, they need the helicopter, and also That's if fine. it's you know if the rain if it looks like the rain's coming in for sort of ten days at a time, which it can do even in May and June, then yeah, it's good. To, you know, you can just skip off somewhere. Yeah. And nice. Amsterdam for the weekend. You know, nice. Makes nice. living in Scot you know makes living in Scotland totally like totally works in my head if you've got a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, that takes us to the end of the My Forever Studio podcast with Kevin Mackay. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast. Thank you we very much for having me. We loved your items and your reasons. Thank you so much. And um, what's happening for you for the rest of the year? you got some more releases coming out? Uh, yeah, lo- um, loads of stuff happening. Um, you know, i just m- making records for fun. So whenever I've, I just... Um, I sort of make records for my DJ sets and then turn them into real records. So the record I've got just now is a cover of Ain't Nothing Going On But The Rent, but it started off as an edit. I play a party in London at Night Tales. And so I just, so, I mean, hopefully we'll be back in, I'll be back in a kind of record playing scenario sometime later on this year. But I still make, still have those ideas about what would be entertaining for people and what would make people want to dance and but without being too sort of, obvious or you know whatever so i was just making more of them and i make them and put them out quite quickly so i can't actually reel off a list of all the great stuff i've got coming because i've not made it yet <laughs> but if our, if our listeners just check the beatport top 10 there'll be one in there i'm sure <laughs> nice Thanks, thank kevin. you so much kevin thank you very much thank you all right bye Okay, well, thanks again to Kevin Mackay for joining us to talk Studio Kit on the My Forever Studio podcast. Yeah, there were some great stories there and some excellent studio choices as well. Now, remember, if you're a fan of the My Forever Studio podcast, make sure you subscribe using your favourite podcasting app and maybe even give us a little five-star rating. Yes, little five-star rating would be excellent. And also, feel free to email us at editors at musictech.net too with any suggestions or any feedback. Let us know. Uh, or, you know, the love letters, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Next week, we're being joined by the one and only Joel Zimmerman, a.k.a. Dead Mouse. And I'm predicting some pretty strong studio opinions here. Yes, what will the mouse man with an already gear-packed studio choose for his six forever studio items? Chris, what do you think? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to see. Hmm. Anyway, that's it from us. Thanks for listening and catch you next time for more adventures into Studio Foreverdom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.